On this week's show, we wrap up the last of the NBA Finals. We do a bit of a mock draft with the NBA draft coming up. We also talk about that international sports carnival happening in Tokyo. We do an NBL One Roundup. And we also have probably the most important thing on this week's docket. We have an amazing interview with Isaac White of the Ipswich Force and Illawarra Hawks fame. We know you'll love this week's show. Ball don't lie. That ball don't lie. Welcome to Ball Don't Lie Australia. I'm your host, Dan Dinellen. Joining me in the studio, as he does every week, is Mal Crawford. The big dog. How you doing tonight, buddy? Oh, roaring and ready to go. Just remember, everyone out there, if you don't already, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, hit that subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, and you can listen to all of these magical shows um, and you'll get exclusive content like our interview with Isaiah Moss, new Brisbane Bullets import that we dropped just yesterday, Mal. Yes, and just a genuinely nice guy. Great guy. Uh, Brisbane Bullets, fantastic job recruiting. Not only do you have a walking bucket, but yeah, you've got a real one coming in. He, he was so good to chat to. Um, genuinely looking forward to watching Isaiah and specifically Nathan Sobey just <laughs> taking turns of getting bucket after bucket after bucket this oh, season. It, it, it genuinely could be the backup that you know Sobey's been looking for since you know, Vic Law's injury, injury obviously. So. Oh, I mean, you think of a playmaker like Kadi, he must be just licking his chops right now of just he's getting all these weapons and him, he himself can get a bucket whenever he needs, so... Um, that offense for the Bullets is already looking like it's going to be, you know, a microwave, essentially. Mm. It just never turns off, though. Yeah, could be could be some big things happening for Brisbane this year. But. Yeah, looking forward to it. So make sure you follow us on all the socials. You can get um, special episodes like that. Of course, today we have a special guest at the end of this episode as well in uh, Illawarra Hawks and um, Ipswich Force star Isaac White. So again, just like Isaiah, Isaac was just a real genuine dude. It's mm. the exact words I used when we hung up the phone. He was just such a nice guy to chat to and um, really enjoy listening to his stories from, from his college ball over in, in Stanford and then coming back and playing in the pros here. Um very young man, but a lot of wealth of experience already. So hang around at the end of this episode and uh, you'll get to hear our, our chat with Isaac and we hope you enjoy that. Definitely should be good. Um, now, for those of you who were uh, watching our Facebook live stream of the, was it the, uh, the QBL 
GBL. GBL. GBL, GBL Gold Finals. GBL Gold Finals the other night. You would have heard uh, Dan go on about his extensive knowledge of Formula One. <laughs> and during the week, I, I just put together a couple of questions and I, I, I thought I might just run them past you now, if, if that's okay, Dan. You, you brought up... Uh, um, extensive knowledge, I don't believe I boasted about, but okay. well, I, I have become a fan this season. So if you've got any questions about this season, hit me because I'll okay. try my best. All right, uh, former two-time Formula One world champion. Lewis Hamilton. Fernando Alonso this year is that was my next guess. driving for Alpine, even though it's spelt Alpine. Mm. Uh, who did he drive for last year in Formula One? I said this season. Um, give me Ferrari. No, he actually didn't drive at all. He had two years off. Um, there you go. Right, you know, but that's been huge news. So anyway, anyway, no, it's, it's, something it's from fine. this year. Come on, something from this year. Uh, this year, who Lewis is Hamilton. Max Verstappen's teammate, co-driver? Ooh, I was going to say Bottas, but that's Lewis Hamilton's uh-huh. Verstappen Red Bull. It's a great question. I do know. I this. do have them. What's their first name? Oh, I can't. I might as well just give you the whole name then. Okay. What's their first and last name? <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, what's it start with? I'll give you his nickname. What's it start with? Checker. His nickname is Checo. Checo. Checker. Sorry, Checker. Checker. I mm. don't know. Perez. Oh yes, yes. Perez. Yes. All right. Uh, well, you mentioned Max Verstappen. Who is yes. who is the team principal for Red Bull? Um, Honda. <laughs> team principal's kind of like the coach guy in charge. I can uh, answer this question, Mel. Yeah. No idea. Cool. Christian Horner. Yes. Christian yes, Horner. Yes. All right. Who who builds Red Bull's engines? Honda. Awkward. Uh, actually, Red Bull are building their own engines in their own oh, factories for yes. the first time in Red Bull's existence as a Formula there One racing go. team. But it was Honda, right? Uh, it was last year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's based give on me, Honda. Give me engine. some credit there. Uh, I'm not a car guy. I just like watching them <laughs> go around in circles really fast. All right. I knew something. Nice, easy one for you. Lewis Hamilton. Aston Martin racing team. Who makes their engines? I feel like this is another trick question. It's going to be simple as you like. They've made the engines for the last three years, and it's not going to be Aston Martin, is it? That's what I'm locking in. Aston Martin regular engines have these engines in them. I'll give you that clue. Mercedes. <laughs> you're, you're asking not a car guy, <laughs> car guy questions. Like, oh, look, you brought it up on the broadcast. I did. I, I, I did. just, I thought you were knowledgeable in that area. No, you know, never claimed to be. Oh, no, no, it's, it's all right. You, like I said, you brought it up on the broadcast. I my thought you wanted the, to talk. I was like, oh my God, I've, I've, I've got another guy to talk Formula One with. You can on a very basic level. Yeah, basically in, in Lewis the, Hamilton, questions where Lewis Hamilton is the answer, no, 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 you'll no. be across. I, I can tell you more. I can tell you more. Uh, I actually enjoy watching the McLaren team. Lando Calrissian slash Norris. Yeah, well done, And yes. Daniel Ricciardo. I Eddie do Rick. like that team. Yep. Um, Lando, I actually started liking him because he did well in 
Uh, not the most current race. Um, was that Great Britain? <laughs> or is that the next one? <laughs> let, 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 maybe let's anyway. Lando Norris, very good driver, just signed does a long-term a, contract for McLaren. Does a uh, um, stream of him playing uh, the games as well. He's a pretty funny guy. Yes, that does de- definitely does come across as a funny guy. And I, I've been watching... Uh, the dynamic between Lewis Hamilton and whatever his name, Bottas, the teammate. Valtteri, Valtteri the, Bottas. Finish, I believe. He is. Um, very Sometimes he finishes ahead of Lewis Hamilton as well. That's what I was going to say. Very clearly to me, very, as I've, we've just told the world, amateur knowledge of the sport. Yes. Seems to be the superior driver more than not. From what I've watched. Okay, he's... He definitely has some. Sorry, moments. not a superior he driver. He has but. a lot of talent um, that's come out this year, but he also has Lewis Hamilton has had some moments, and Lewis Hamilton's getting a bit older too. So he's mm. he's definitely. I wouldn't say Lewis Hamilton is at the absolute peak of his powers. And but the the last race was Great Britain, yeah, because, and I just sounded like the fifty percent pom I am when I said that. I just realised, but because um, Lewis Hamilton won. And oh, he, it's it's technical, it's technically the Silverstone, but yes, it is in Great Britain. Yes. And yeah, because and then there was this um, tactic between Bottas and Hamilton, and Bottas had to let Hamilton pass him and go on to hunt everyone down. Yes, and Bottas does not enjoy doing that. No, and yeah, it's but Hamilton was very clearly faster around the track. Yeah, yeah, depending on tire, um, tire and fuel loads and ratios and everything. Yeah. Yeah, and I would love to understand all of that stuff one day. I think I've got the tyres down pat. I have no idea about fuel loads and all that sort of stuff. But I'll tell you what, I've only just gotten into the sport this year and I am loving it despite me not getting any of that trivia correct. Now I know how Mal feels when we do basketball trivia. Whoa. (laughs) No, no, all right. Shots fired. Yeah, yeah, all right. I got absolutely owned in the F1 trivia then and that's fine. Um, But no... It's a sport I've never paid attention to until I started paying attention to it and absolutely loving it right now. So yes. anyway, hopefully in a few years I'll be able to answer one or two of those questions. Well, some of those answers may not change. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right, Mal. Well, um, instead of me looking like a fool for an hour, which I know you'd love, but I yep. wouldn't, uh, let's crack open a pack and see what cards we have for us this week. This week. Oh, we've got a spur. Coach Pop would be happy. We have, maybe not, Devin Vassell. Yes, very well known. I'll leave it at that. Patrick Williams in a Bulls jersey. Ooh, I think we've had him before. The rookie. Possibly, possibly. Uh, Victor Oladipo. Indie Depot, Indy. when he was good. Jalen Brown again. His packs are just... On fire. Yeah. Drew Holiday, again. Pelicans jersey. Ugh. Bradley Beal. Ooh, hello. Almost an Olympian. This year, anyway. Is an Olympian? Didn't oh, yes. No, you... Correct. Yeah. As you yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jordan Clarkson. Six man. Uh-huh. And Harry Giles Third. Ooh. Sacktown jersey, which the more I see it, yeah, I'm coming around to the Sacktown mm, jersey. The red one. Yeah, the red and the white. The more I look at it, the more I come around to it. 
Uh, Almost we'll, Ferrari colours. Well done, you. Wow. <laughs> the red one. The red, right? Yeah, you don't need to be a Formula One fan to know that. <laughs> but it's still nice to. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That, that desperate to get a question right, he asked one himself. All right. So for those, you know, first time listeners, um, Mal and I are each going to select a card during the show. Um, to discuss at the back end of the show um, mm-hmm. and why we chose that card. It's just a way to, we like to give a little spotlight to the players that don't normally get the shine. Or if one of our, you know, players from our favourite teams comes up, then maybe we give them a bit more of a run and talk about them, even if they are a bit more of a spotlighted player. Mm. But I've had all my, I've had almost all the Celtic big names come in, except for Tatum. Titan comes up. I'm I'm having a yarn, but yeah, yeah. Dookie, Apart from that, I'll be I'll be up for that one. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, big show. Let's. Uh, yeah, we got NBA finals wrap up. We're gonna we're gonna each select. We're gonna alternate picks and do the top ten of the draft, which of course is happening tomorrow. So it'll be a good chance for everyone to listen out on that. We're going to review um, the Olympic basketball that has included. Uh, the Boomers, the Opals, and Team USA and how their first games have gone. And then we're going to wrap up, attempt to wrap up a massive NBL 1 North round from mm. last weekend. So, massive show, Mal. Um, guess we'll jump on in. Let's do it. Let's jump. Ball don't lie. That ball don't lie. All right, listeners. With the size of this week's show and with the interviews that we had to squeeze in this week, we actually had to record this particular episode over three separate nights, um, which was all going well, no real dramas, uh, until Dan got a bit sick and we couldn't then be in the same room, which is why some of the audio sounds like he's not in the same room because he's not in the same room. So while we did do our best there will be a, a a bit of a difference at different times um yeah we hope you understand and thank you for your continued support of our show ball don't lie. that ball don't lie all right time to wrap up what's left of the nba now um since we uh since we're on air last we have I've only had game 6 and for some reason, keep waiting for that game seven. Just doesn't seem to come out. Uh, Dan, what did what did you notice about game six, mate? What uh, what were the things that really caught your eye? Yeah, look, game six. Um, it was actually a really tight game. It was the game was tied heading into the fourth quarter, um, despite. Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden just not really getting it going at all. So it was still anyone's game for the fourth quarter, but the Bucks just wanted it more. And one man in particular, obviously, the the man by way of Nigeria and Greece, Giannis Antetokounmpo, dropping a 50-piece mm-hmm. uh, to wrap up the finals. Yes, and then uh, was it shooting into Chick-fil-A the following day? Going to the drive-thru and getting a uh, 50 box of nuggets. My guy. My guy. <laughs> uh, 
But I mean, what a performance to close out the finals. Um, along with his 50 points, uh, he added 14 rebounds. He shot 64% from the field. But most importantly, and what I think really decided this game, he shot 17 of 19 from the free throw line, which for those playing at home is around about 90%, which, Close you know, enough. if you've not been living under a rock this season, you would know Giannis has had his struggles from the free throw line. So for him to come through with those free throws in this context, wowie. Yeah, very... Uh... Very come with the come with the hour, come with the man sort of moments there from Giannis, which mm. he, but to be fair though, to this finals, he's he hasn't really had, you know, much of a bad game. Um he he's been the most consistent guy, definitely, for uh for the Bucks right through the finals. Yeah, it's just crazy to think like and, and people have probably forgotten this, but leading into the finals, Giannis was a day-to-day on the yeah. injury report, and most considered him probably unlikely to play games one and two. Uh, and he's just come out and just delivered one of the all-time performances across all six games with an injury that you know I wouldn't even be walking from. So amazing stuff from Giannis. He's averaged 35 points, 13 rebounds, and five assists across the six games of the finals, which is just remarkable. So tip of the cap to Giannis, absolutely. Deserve the finals MVP award, obviously. So an amazing story, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, to be in the position he's in now, obviously generational wealth pouring in. His family will never struggle again. Obviously, all the brothers have been successful in their basketball careers. So that family is never going to struggle again for at least the next three, four, five generations. Um, yeah, well, three brothers. And, and, and people just need to remember, Giannis is 26. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, one of them doesn't have an NBA ring because they don't play in the NBA, but... Um, Successful career over in Europe, nonetheless. Uh, so, 26 years old, um, five uh, All-Star games with one MVP. He's been the NBA's most improved player. He's been a back-to-back MVP. He's now got a Finals MVP. He's been a Defensive Player of the Year. He's been All-NBA uh, five times. He's been All-Defensive four times. I could go on and on. This kid is 26 and his resume is Hall of Fame elite already. So um, he does cop a bit of criticism in the media and by, you know, air quotes fans, but what he's achieved in his career is just amazing. Or as they put it on KO, it's insane. Yeah, it really is. And he, at the age of 26, he doesn't look much like a 26-year-old. He just looks like an absolute beast of it. He doesn't look like a kid. Just living up to that Greek freak nowadays with all that just mound no, of sir. muscle. 
mound of muscles that he has there. Very different uh, mm. look to KD, obviously. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so what I did want to touch on, uh, we're not going to go deep into any Suns box scores or stats or anything like that because, you know, might upset the, the Suns fans out there. It's probably not a series they want to remember having gone up 2-0, the gun partying, and uh, it all just went wrong from that point on. Yeah. Um, so they, they can be a the bit Suns, delicate. So. You know, they're going to live and learn. <laughs> uh, you said it, not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it it's like taking, taking your bruises in the playoffs and, you know, feeling that hurt, which I'll get to very soon when we talk about post-game reactions. It's what's going to help that team come back next year hungrier. Of course, it may not matter because the West, which we'll get to in future episodes, is just going to be nuts. Um, so this may have been the chance for Phoenix. And, you know, they put on a show for their fans. They did really well, but just came up short uh, in crunch time against a team that has been there, that has taken their bruises in the in the playoffs before. So, And yeah. that was the thing coming into this playoffs. A lot of people were, you know, whinging and moaning, this, that, and the other, you know, Lakers, Nets, you know, super teams, blah, 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 blah. And really sort of getting down on the whole thing and – it's flipped the absolute other way. Like a team that was pretty much written off as being only a uh, regular season team. Can't get it done in the playoffs. And the Suns Mm. who were written off as pretenders by those people who knew what they were talking about. Um, And they obviously didn't, couldn't go all the way this, this time quite, but this playoffs had everything and without the super teams, chemistry came up big. It was it was just one of those playoffs, and yet still people aren't happy with the results and viewership was down and all this, that, and the other, and yet had it have been a Lakers or Nets when it was like, ah, super teams, blah, boo. Rah. And yet somehow we're, we're almost still getting that same level of noise and negativity, which I, I just don't get. Yeah, no, 100%. It's it's just the world we live in. It's not just localised with NBA or, or sport even. It's just no one can be happy with anything these days. It's it's not cool to enjoy anything. It's not cool to think something's okay. So, you know, there's always going to be someone out there that gets upset or, yeah. So it's a lose-lose for everyone these days. But, um, you know, real fans can appreciate the finals for what it was and, it, it was a really competitive finals. I know it didn't go seven games, but it wasn't really massive blowouts. But all the games were fairly down to the fourth quarter and, and you didn't really find yourself turning games off. So yeah, that's what you want. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that 100%. It was... Um, it was, And it, we got to a game six. Yeah. Like, 
Sorry. No one, no one was swept. It wasn't five. It actually went to six. It could mm. have been seven. There was like a couple of those four of those four games that the Bucks, you know, won in a row there. They were within touch. Like the Suns could have got that done. They didn't. But they could have. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Just to wrap this up, I don't want to spend all episode talking about um, Game Six here, but the post game reactions, uh, some little notes I took from that. Mm. Um, three people I'm going to focus on. Uh, well, maybe four, but Chris Paul. <laughs> I'm going to start with the the not so good. Chris Paul. One of my favorite players, we both have a Chris Paul jersey from separate teams, but, um, you know, all around good guy, well-liked around the league, head of the Players Association. I, I ask anyone to go back and watch the end of the game. He's the first player off the court. He wanted no part of sticking around. He wanted no of congratulating the other team. Whether he did it later or not, that, whatever, um, but at the time, as that final, the final seconds tick down, the siren goes. Chris Paul absolutely smoke bombed, and he got out of there. Um, didn't really appreciate that personally. I, you know, expected a bit better from him, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, whether he, you know, he would have congratulated them in another way later on, I'm sure. But there in the in the moment with the cameras watching and the, the lights are brightest. That's the time where, you know, you want to be seen as a good sport and congratulating. Yeah, he went you full know, it's Isaiah really Thomas. the next wave is Giannis. So. Or, yeah. <laughs> Look, close to, close to. <laughs> didn't, what... didn't walk past the bench whilst there was still time on the clock. <laughs> no, but look, you know, if, down the line, he ends up being the general manager of the Knicks, then it's only going to bring the comparisons closer. <laughs> um, next person I want to talk about. Um, oh, let's just finish off with my sons. Uh, uh, whatever, observations. Devin Booker. Uh, so, Devin Booker... I believe he's the last son to leave and it's quite a while after everyone else has left. And the camera just kept going back to him every now and then and he's sort of just standing on the court, just looking around. I believe he's just soaking up the feeling. He's acknowledging how he feels. He's acknowledging the, the you know, the away fans. He's acknowledging the like the Phoenix fans are in the building. He's he's just taking in that moment and, and acknowledging his thoughts and feelings, which is totally fine, by the way. Um, and, and he just the camera catches him, and he just says one word, "Damn." Then he turns and he walks out of off the court. He walks down the tunnel. And we talked about this off air, uh, Mel. <laughs> I said that Booker looked like the Terminator. Like he did not look human whilst walking down that tunnel. There was no tears. There was no swearing, no anger. 
he looked like Kawhi Leonard. That was maybe the end of game one, and he already flicked on to all right. Next game, let's go. I'm coming back, and, and I said to you, I said, look out for Booker next year because. I think there's going to be a little something extra coming out of his game in 2022, um, just based off his reaction at the end of that game. It was really, it's an overused cliche lately, but definitely applies to him. It was that Mamba mentality for sure. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see uh, see what the Suns put together next year. Are they? Is this just going to be lightning in a bottle, or is this something they can run back and be this good, better, or close to this good again next year. Um, they can't just keep... Surely they can't just keep getting Chris Paul and keep getting this far. You know, year after year, he's surely too old to keep doing that consistently. So what are they going to add on top of that? What are they going to add into that system? What mm. What bits can they cobbled together out of free agency or, you know, in trades before deadlines. You know, we'll talk about that moving ahead, but yeah, I, I can't see them running this in with the crew they've got. They'll need to make some adjustments, but they've got a decent young squad apart mm. from a couple of older pieces. There, There's some good, there's a good amount of, younger age on a lot of these bits. So uh, hopefully they don't do a full Lakers and ditch all of their older bits for different older bits. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they've they've got some moves to make to get to that very next level. And it'll be interesting to see whether Chris Paul wants to come to the party financially and sign a deal or if he's if someone else is going to offer him some money or if, you know, Phoenix are, are done, I, I can't see them being done. Surely they're going to come to the table and want to, at the very least, talk. You know? But mm. we'll just have to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, won't talk about it too in-depth, but it was obviously cool to see uh, Giannis he didn't really celebrate with his teammates. He made a beeline for his family. And that kind of sums up Giannis. And, you know, the story, obviously it wasn't uh, breaking news that I had told earlier, but um, the story that I told about his early life growing up, coming to America, um, it, it, it's his family first and, and they are everything. And he made a beeline for his family. He then went and sat on a chair on the baseline, just soaked it all up. The tears came out. We all know he's a pretty emotional guy. Um, so, you know, and then obviously all the other general stuff the rest of the team was doing, yippeeing and yeehawing, you know, what these youths do these days. Um, well, it's scary stuff. But I did want to bring up... <laughs> I did want to bring up Monty Williams, though. And, and again, I'm not, we're not claiming to be breaking news here. It went pretty viral. And most people have seen it by now. But uh, Monty Williams going into the, the Bucks locker room. And I believe uh, it was released that Giannis actually invited him in. Um, so they kind of worked that out together. So Monty Williams, of course, the Phoenix Suns head coach, uh, goes into the locker room. 
congratulates the Bucks, addresses the whole team. Um, it was just such a classy move. And like Suns fans, you got a real one here. And, you know, I just fall, fall more in, in love with Monty Williams, you know, every few months it feels like because he's such a class act, such a great coach. Um, and I hope Phoenix just really hold on to him and let him keep shaping the culture there because that whole team plays for him and you can really see why. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yep. It was cool speech. It's done well. And also looked genuine. Yeah, so there you have it, folks. Your NBA champions for the 2020-21 season, the Milwaukee Bucks taking down the Phoenix Suns in six games. That is it for the NBA this season on Ball Don't Lie Australia. However, <laughs> your next season of Ball Don't Lie Australia begins in approximately 12 seconds when we start talking about the NBA draft. So don't go anywhere. We're still going to be talking NBA every week. Um so draft is up first, Mal. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Ball don't lie. That ball don't lie. All right. As we just mentioned, one season ends, the other starts straight away. Mm-hmm. There's no rest for the wicked. We have the NBA draft. It'll be on this Friday. So um, forgive me for not remembering the time. I believe it's around 11 a.m., Australian Eastern Standard Time. So don't quote me on that, but it's around that time. Um, yeah, so make then. sure you tune in. Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a banger. Um, we've already seen some movement. Um, so I thought it might be a good time to chat uh, a little trade that's gone on in the NBA this week. Wouldn't uh, be uh, so, your neck of the woods, would it? It would be. Now, yeah, at the expense of sounding like a homer, I think it's definitely a trade worth discussing because of the the magnitude of the pieces moved, but draft picks were swapped. There's future implications here. This trade is much bigger underneath the surface rather than above the water here. So um, thought we'd break it down a little bit um, and talk about where we think each team's heading um, before we get into our actual draft uh, discussion. Is that all good with you, Mel? Yep, let's do it. So Memphis sends Jonas Valanciunas, our big bear, mm. and picks 17 and 50-something <laughs> to New Orleans Pelicans. For Stephen Adams, for Eric Bledsoe, and picks 10 and 40. So there's a lot to unpack, even on the surface, as I said, but also there's some future stuff already in play here. Mm. Uh, so, look, the Pelicans, they've said the reason for this, they wanted to get off Bledsoe's contract, and they also wanted Jonas to stretch the floor. Um don't know if they've ever watched Valentunas play <laughs> um, or if they just think he's a Euro, so he's going to shoot lots of threes, but uh, he ain't stretching the floor for you, so I don't know what the heck they were thinking. Like, yep, he'll hit the occasional three, 
fair enough. Um, but absolutely does not and will not be guarded on the three-point line. So, and, and he loves operating in pick and rolls and being under the hoop, you know, getting position. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to be wrong for Pelicans fans, but I don't see that he's that much better than Stephen Adams that it was worth giving up their draft pick here. Um, Jonas is woeful on defense. I'm going to be honest. He's not a good defender. He can't defend the pick and roll. He doesn't block many shots. It's just a puzzling move for the Pelicans, and they seem to be this team that's just... They're never planning for the future. They're just in absolute anxiety attack panic mode of we need to get in the playoffs now. We need to keep Zion happy. He's off saying he can't wait to play in New York or LA or he loves all these big markets. We need to win. We need to make him happy. And and look, Jonas is an upgrade over Steven Adams. Maybe he gets in an extra couple of games in the regular season. But oh, a, for a team that was good on offense but couldn't guard a witch's hat. This doesn't help at all. They've traded their two best defenders away. <laughs> so yeah. Bledsoe and Stephen Adams, m- most likely their two best defenders this season. They've now both been traded away. Uh, so, look, are the Pelicans just banking on scoring 180 points a game? I guess so. But I just, yeah, it's puzzling for me how it makes them better now. Or definitely in the future, I don't think it makes them better. Um, but anyway, that's that's my piece on the Pelicans. Um, was there anything you wanted to add on the Pelican side of this trade, Mal? Uh, Pelican side, it's it's a little confusing because they've they traded away the tenth pick, which most mock drafts nowadays that you see will have you know one certain Josh Giddy dropping in there, so it's. Oh, I'm feeling giddy. Yeah, it, it's a little <laughs> bit, uh, it's a little bit weird to to think why they'd swerve, especially when they've had the issues with um, uh, Ball. Just they don't appear to like it. Doesn't appear to be a the fit that everyone may have wanted it to be, or maybe no one wanted it to be. But uh, mm. yeah, with the opportunity to you know pick up Giddy and they're swerving on that to go down the draft. Uh, yeah, maybe they see something. Obviously, they see something we don't, but can't see what it is right at the minute. Uh, maybe they're going to do some oh, draft day magic. That I just find it so hilarious that you have spent all season saying how magical Josh Giddy is, and you love this kid, and. You've also spent all season pissing on my Grizzlies. So this is just, oh, what a moment. I If he ends up playing in Memphis, which I'll get to in a minute, I don't believe he will. But if he does, oh, I'd love to see a look on your face. It'd be great. Mate, I don't, I don't have anything against your Grizzlies. Like, I don't know where this is coming from. <laughs> 
Oh god! All right. Well, hey, I tipped let, the I tipped on. the Grizzlies to go far deeper into the into the playoffs than you did, and they were your team, buddy. So, <laughs> you know that's that's on you, Tigers, not me. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> um, well, that's speaking of the Grizz. Let, let's have a look at their side of the trade. Uh, obviously, I've gone a bit in depth in this and uh, heard around the media. Like specifically Grizz Media, what their plans are with these assets. So bringing in Stephen Adams, it's a toss-up whether he stays or not. He may stay. I believe he might uh, as the centre that will take the hits and the bruises all season for Trip or Jaron Jackson Jr. And then in the playoffs, Jaron would become the starting centre. That's one scenario. Uh, within half an hour, it was said Bledsoe will not wear a Grizzlies jersey, which was a bit whatever. Like, I, I still think he's a good player. I don't think he makes Grizzlies better, but is yeah, this, all uh, signs are saying that. He... <laughs> is this a Igadalia style? Won't, won't wear the jersey, or is this a? Yeah, no, I don't think it's coming from him. I think it's a Dion Waiters style where the Grizzlies. Look, I what I think, along with what I'm hearing, is Grizz are trying to scope out teams. They're looking at two options. One is Buddy Heald from the Kings, which, oh, I would love that. He was on my card pack, whatever thing we called. <laughs> he was my selection not long ago, and crack I would em. just absolutely love Buddy Heald on my team. Yeah, crack him. That's the one. Uh, not to be confused with that unnamed uh, rum, spiced rum that we won't mention until they sponsor us. Uh, so, yeah, Buddy Hield is one option. The other option that I'm hearing is gaining a lot of traction is that Bled, oh sorry, number ten pick and possibly Bledsoe are being shopped to move a little bit further up the draft, and that's why I said a bit earlier that I wouldn't bank on Giddy being selected by the Grizzlies because I think they're going for bigger fish here. Uh, looking at one of those wings, they're going to be available in that five to eight range. Uh, so look, you could possibly look at, if I'm putting money down, I reckon the Grizz are going to be picking at seven or eight on Friday. Um, so it'll be the Warriors pick or the Orlando Magic pick. I think Grizzlies will... If everything goes right for them, they'll end up with one of those picks. So the Grizz, whilst taking a step back immediately here um, in this trade, they're actually building for the future and they're trying to establish this solid core around Jaron and Jar. So the trade, in my opinion, it, it's going to be we can't fully break it down for the next, I don't know, couple of months or so until all the dust settles and we see what direction both teams have gone in after this trade. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I understand that. There's, there'll be a lot of moving parts in this and there's a lot of what-ifs. Um, Stephen Adams didn't have a great year last year for the Pelicans. Um, there was a lot of question marks around him because... Basically, there was an expectation that he was going to be better than what he, what he was, what he ended up being, and 
Yeah, the, I think everyone was fairly well disappointed, both sides, both Pelicans and Adams, with last year's performance. Um, there's still a few people like me who think he's still got some good ball left in him. He's not completely done. Um, but will that be for the Grizzlies? Uh, don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. All right. Well, with that being done, mate, I thought we'd have a bit of fun um, just to introduce those that are unaware of like top 10 names in the draft this year. And the way I thought we'd do it was we'd just start off taking turns drafting the top 10. So um, you'll get the number one pick, three, so on and so forth, and I'll be all the even numbers. So, yeah. All righty. Spots and stripes. So number one pick now. You're on the clock. It's all you. I'm on the clock. All right. Well, I'll take my time. No big deal. Got time. Uh, That's all right, mate. You got to you got to edit this, so <laughs> you do you. <laughs> all right. Uh look. For me, I think there's. Well, there's obviously an unlimited number you could go. Uh, if you listen to the media at the moment, there's only one. Um, I'm going to swerve because it's what I do. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Evan Mobley. Um, Ooh. Yeah, going to go a little bit different. The th- basically, for the things I like about him um, are the elements that I... really like in big players at the moment. So he's, for those who don't know, he's at a USC center, seven footer, 215 pounds, um, can block with both hands. He's, his shot is not there yet. Um, you know, that's, that's life. He's a first year guy. Don't expect it, um, to be completely developed for a big gangly seven footer. Um, has some athleticism, can get it done. There's a few question marks um, going back to some of his high school stuff around whether he can, you know, go. I, I think a lot of that just comes down to who he was playing against. Um, probably just wasn't high enough level. He was probably a little bit bored. You know, that's why he didn't look to go flat out the whole time. Um, I don't... I, I, I just picked Evan Mobley for the sheer fact that uh, looking around the NBA at the moment, seven footers are really big. He's got really good defensive (laughs) skills. Seven footers, really big. That's right. You heard it here first. You heard it here first, everyone. Seven footers are big. Yep. But you think about it. If he can get anywhere near... Uh, Giannis and Bede. Not that his game's not that his game is specifically around that, but you know, and he's certainly not a a KD coming out of coming out of college. But he could be that piece, and I think he's got a very very high floor. And for me, that's you know that's who I'm going to take. And number two pick, mate, for you, I think he's going to be pretty, from what you said last week or the week before, sorry, uh, pretty obvious. 
Yeah, I just wanted to touch on Mobley. I saw this um, quote come from Chad Ford over in America who claims he had a scout. It's one of those crazy, like, draft comps. Like, they always just, you know, give these weird NBA comparisons to these players. This scout says, Evan Mobley is Chris Bosch on offense and Anthony Davis on defense. So, Mel, you might be drafting the greatest player to ever live here. So, not a, not a bad choice. <laughs> yeah, look, and the media doesn't always get it right. Whenever they, it, it, you know, the number one pick, let's be honest, it can be a bit of a crapshoot. Just ask, Mel, mm. um, you know. Just ask Minnesota. I was nearly going to say Milwaukee, but wrong M team. You know, <laughs> it's easy. It, it's easy to get it wrong, um, and mine might be, but uh, you know, th- there were just elements about his game that I I I really like in, in my NBA players, and you know, so that's why I went with that one. Who you got for number two, big fella? All right. Um, well. My the comp or the comparison for the player I've selected is Jason Tatum slash Luka Doncic. Oh. So again, I, I may be drafting the greatest player to ever live as well. Oh. Uh, now, now remember the whole we don't need a center. Draft Jordan, play him at center. <laughs> yes. For me, the top at least three or four picks is just best available. And I believe the best player in this whole draft is still on the board. And I can't believe you've left him there, Mal. Eh. How is Tim Sung still available after number one? Don't know, buddy. Don't know. That is so rude. Um. Unfortunately, Tim's going to stay available. <laughs> uh, I'm taking the greatest player in this draft, and that is Cade Cunningham, a generational talent. He, he's just crazy across the board. Um, the upside of this kid, like his floor is very high. His ceiling is obviously first ballot Hall of Fame, generational talent. So he could fall anywhere in between. I think his floor is future all-star. I think that's his absolute minimum. Uh, And he can go all the way up to, you know, top 50 player of all time. Um, I mean, a six-foot-eight playmaker with muscle already. Does this sound like anyone we know? Uh... Playing for the Lakers? Sorry, most recently played for the, the Toon squad. <laughs> no, not ringing any bells. Oh, Granny. No. <laughs> oh, Granny. Uh, yeah, so... Bugs, are we look, including the he hasn't in got the any. <laughs> he hasn't got LeBron comparisons, and, and rightfully so, but he's that level of talent, he could end up going down that path of greatness. Not saying you will, but... He absolutely could. So, Kay Cunningham, my number two selection now, uh, going to uh, the Rockets, of course. 
So yeah, you I, had uh, Mobley going to the Sixers. Yep, I would have had Kane now number two. You've got two. Cleveland in number three. Cleveland. Oh. Let's let's give Cleveland Jalen Green. Mm, fine choice, sir. Uh, you know, six five shooting guard was in the G League this year. Uh, hundred and seventy two pounds because you know all that stuff's important when we talk about draft players. Apparently, uh, you know, has I think he has really quite a good chance of superstardom. Um, you know, can do a lot. Very athletic. I like what I see. Uh, and I don't think he's one of those names that's really, again, touted. Most people have got him pretty high. Um, I, I don't think it's much of a surprise, really, uh, for this one. I'd, mm. you know, but yeah, I'd, I'd happily take him, uh, take him three. This is one player that I believe could shake up the draft something fierce here. I believe if he drops out of that top four, so if he was to end up still available at five, you better bet your money that Memphis are going to be swinging for the hills for this kid. Um, him and Ja Morant are boys. They're very tight. And he's that perfect profile of the wing scorer that the Grizzlies really need. So... I don't think they've got the assets to move into the top four there, but it is a possibility that he drops out of the top four with some of these other names like Suggs and Scotty Barnes coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really rising up the ranks. If he drops out of that top four, I'd, I'd be watching Memphis making a move there. Um, but that brings me to number four with Toronto. Um, oh. Again, this and this most mocks have this player going there. It's um, of course six foot four, uh, point guard Jalen Suggs from the Zags, Gonzaga. Um, obviously, didn't come up with the Bickies at the tournament, but no, but you know, he had, had his, that huge game. He had his stand on table moment, didn't he? he? He got his moment. Yeah, yeah. Shouted out to Wayne Wade and Kobe. <laughs> um, just watching him, like paying a lot of attention because we got to see a lot of their games. He's special. <laughs> like He's got potential to be one of the elite point guards of this league. And and again, his floor is still really high. His floor is, is no lower than, you know, solid starting point guard. So, you know, if that's the worst you're getting and you've got a potential perennial all-star on your hands, you're taking a swing on that. Obviously, Toronto looking to move on from Cole Lowry and, and look, I know it's been reported they've all been denied, but Van Vliet's name keeps popping up in all these trades. So Toronto might be about ready to hit that reset button. And Suggs is a perfect floor general um, to build around your team there. So Jalen Suggs, number four to the Raptors. All righty. That leaves me number five. Uh, We got... I'm going to take Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes from Florida mm. State, 6'9", 227. Uh, small forward. Um, just from 
One of the big risers in this draft. He has shot up the board. Mm, big time. Um, and one of the things I do like about reports is really good chemistry guy. Uh, genuinely seems to be loved by uh, most of his teammates, which can't be it can't be downplayed. That sort of thing. Um, it's for me. It's something I I look for. And, mm. you know, especially moving into the NBA when we see so many people nowadays who just aren't gelling and they don't know how to deal with things. And, you know, it just makes me think that maybe this, that will help this kid if he, if he's genuinely liked by everybody at some point, people will put their arms around him and go, Hey buddy, like you need to chill on this. or you need like actually help a little bit more than those guys that are just wildly talented and ag- arrogant and end up being lost in the system, which does happen every couple of years. There's a, there'll be a big name high up in the draft who just finds their way out of the league purely and simply for the fact that no one sat them down and said, Oi, mate, calm, chill, like, you got to you got to cut that out, or you know, because they are, I mm-hmm. wouldn't listen, or no one cared to to help out. So uh, I'm going to take Scotty Barnes, number five. Yeah, it's a good choice. And look, if you see a defensive unit of Barnes, Jonathan Isaac, um, and Mo Bamba deployed, oh my lordy, yeah, <laughs> that wingspan they'd cover the court pretty easily. The three of them. All right, so that leads me um, to number six with OKC. Um, plenty of names still on the board. I'm taking another climber in the draft, and that's Moses Moody. So he's around 18th pick, generally in mocks. He's now predicted top 10. I'd love to see him slot in with SGA in OKC there. So... Um, I'm, I'm having Moses Moody slide all the way up to number six, uh, the freshman from Arkansas. Mm. Got to love a shooting guard. Oh, yeah. And with OKC as well, they've got so many picks at the moment. They can, <laughs> they, you could easily find themselves trading out of this position as well. If, if someone offers them, you know, juicy mm. stuff, they've got so many picks at the moment. They might just, you know what? Okay, let's hold off a year. Yeah, well, they've got 16 and 18 as well in the first round. So, yeah. 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 All right. So, Moses Moody off the board at number six. That leaves mm-hmm. me with number seven. Oh, options, options. Uh,. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with Jonathan Kaminga. Mm, so, not necessarily. Um, he's not one of those guys that has pure basketball strengths as yet. Um, he's very talented. He's athletic and he's competitive. So I think he will easily be able to develop stronger skills um but yeah just 
just can't leave him there too much longer. Um, yeah, out of the Congo, G League last year, small forward, couldn't do it. Couldn't leave him. Couldn't let him drop any further. I'm I'm hearing there's chat amongst front office executives and scouts that they're a bit worried there could be an age thing here with Kaminga in that, you know, he's obviously listed as a freshman, um, yeah. but a lot of reports are saying he could be a little to a lot bit older than what he actually is. So <laughs> people are a bit wary of that. And he, like, he's an athletic freak. He's a team like Golden State should absolutely take a flyer on him. Um, but there's a lot of people like he was tipped to go top five, um, but he's sliding because people are worried about his paperwork and his age. And mm. I have no proof of that whatsoever. Just what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, number eight, back to Orlando. Now, if Memphis didn't just pick at number seven, um, which I highly, I would bet my house it wouldn't have been Kaminga if that's Memphis. Um, but number eight, um, I'm going to say this will be James Booknight. So shooting guard from UConn. Yep. Um, Don't know if Memphis would welcome back another UConn player after Rudy Kay, but, um, you know, James Booknight, he's pretty elite um, wing shooter, can play at both ends. Um, Yeah, so whether it's Orlando or if a team like Memphis moves up, I think Booknight's a, a pretty solid pick for number eight. I'd agree with that. Good, solid-looking player. A um, lot of upside. Could be quite good. Uh, that leaves me mm. with number nine. Yeah, sack town. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to go giddy. No, you absolute <laughs> jerk. <laughs> uh, couldn't leave him there, mate. He's been my guy the whole time. Uh, I thought about genuinely leaving him there for you. Uh, you know, there are some other pieces still on the board. You know, Davion Mitchell. Uh, oh, I'll get to him. Yeah, yeah you know. A few others as well. Um, Corey Kispert, if you're feeling, you know, really that way inclined. But no, for me, Giddy, let's do this. I'll take him at number nine. All right. All right, who you got? Round us out at 10. Number 10, Memphis Grizzlies, as we we record, maybe different by the time you're listening. Yep. Um, Giddy's off the board. Um, Tim Sung, probably still a bit too high to draft him, but I don't know, know if we'll he's definitely be looking at him. I, I don't know <laughs> if he's actually eligible in this draft, mate, to be uh, – I don't know if he got his paperwork yeah. in time. We'll assume he didn't do his paperwork yeah. because I can't see him anywhere on this mock, and that's just rude. So yeah. Yeah. I'll assume the paperwork wasn't completed. Um, look, if you're if Josh Giddy's gone, um, this is a no-brainer for Memphis. It's going to be Franz Wagner out of uh, Michigan, the sophomore. He's a big forward. He can shoot the daylights out of the ball. Um, It'll be an absolute no-brainer for Memphis to take uh, friends. It's probably Wagner, I should say, sorry. Um, 
Probably. There we go again into a Lawn and Launceston type <laughs> argument, but um, that's who I believe will go rounding out number ten now. Um, that's our top ten done. Very quickly, who do you think may be the biggest sleeper in this draft? Uh, well, I actually had someone like Miles McBride, but he just he just keeps getting talked about and keeps going higher and higher in, in a lot of the mocks that I was looking at. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm still going to have to go him because he was... He was the one that I sort of thought, oh, he, he might really drop, but he could be worth something. Um, but he's, in, in a lot of projected, he's now inside the top 20. Um, not not all the top 20s, but uh, yeah. So, yeah, look, I'm going to have to go McBride. Still still, still some something there for me. Um, but uh, yeah. How about you, big fella? Sleeper, who are you thinking? Um. I'll give a very quick shout-out to Jared Butler, who is the point guard for Baylor that led them through the tourney. Um, but my one is actually, it's a risk. <laughs> so <laughs> he could be a massive sleeper or he could be placed where he is for a reason. And that's um, Sharif Cooper, uh, the point guard from Auburn, uh, who's a freshman out there. Look, it's so hard to place him. I mean, most mocks I've seen, They've got him anywhere from pick 20 up to pick 30, like low 30s. Yeah. Um, he only ended up playing 20 games, but he averaged 24 and 8. And, you know, he's not the biggest guard, which might play against him, but he's very athletic. And, look, I think he's got potential when we look back on this draft to think, you know, how did team X, Y, and Z pass on Sharif Cooper um, because he's absolutely balled out for, you know, team whatever that's taken him. So, Shreve Cooper, my pick on the record for biggest sleeper in the draft. Well, we'll see how he goes. All right, that's, yeah. that's going to... Of course, re- we got... Yeah, sorry, buddy. Sorry, man. We, we keep, yeah, this uh, correspondence thing. Um, if we're talking sleepers, we also need to talk bus. So... Do you have a possible bust coming out of this draft? Someone who you think, oh, geez, I wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole. Uh, to be honest, uh, Sharif Cooper. <laughs> That's all right. Mine's going to be, uh, I don't know, who did you like earlier? <laughs> Josh Giddy. <laughs> no, it won't be him. He's a saint. <laughs> Uh, I had Miles Bridges earlier. Yeah. Um, Miles Bridges? He's already in the NBA. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you mean Miles McBride? Miles McBride. Miles Sorry, McBride. I do apologize. A lot of the letters yeah, are the okay, same well, in my defense. Look, my pick is, um, and again, this isn't red hot. Uh, breaking news because I'm not the only one, but Davion Mitchell, who you know, we're thinking, is this guy um, Donovan Mitchell in the in the tourney? But point guard, he's he's only six foot. Well, he actually played a lot of shooting guard. He's six foot. 
He's got little T-Rex arms. He doesn't have a very big wingspan. Um, and he was really good in the tournament, but he's three years older than most of the people he's playing against. So, you know, college is such a tough thing when you've got, you know, freshmen. Like most of the best teams have, you know, teams of freshmen who are, you know, 18 years old. And, you know, guys like Davion who are looking around 21, they're obviously more experienced, they're more mature, um, and they can shine in these games. I think Davion Mitchell, it's it's a bit of a crapshoot to take him. Um, yeah, I think he's like 22 or 23 years old. I should have looked that up better. But yeah, most mocks had him top 10. He's sliding quickly out of the lottery as we speak. So that's my possible bust is Davion Mitchell. Yeah, and typically GMs like to swerve on guys with small wingspans and guys who are a bit older with that just sheer idea of nowadays, well, if they were going to be that guy, they'd already be that guy. So, yeah, we'll just have I'll to tell see you what, goes. he's that type of player that, um, you know, contending team could take a flyer on him and he's a dude that you can just put straight into your rotation and, he should be able to give you something. He's not going to be a player you build around, but just like Brandon Clark for the Grizzlies was the exact same thing. He was a college senior, short wingspan, um, but the Grizzlies took him because he knew how to play basketball. They, he just slotted straight in as their sixth man and off they went. So there, there is a place for him. I just don't think it's in the lottery on a team that's wanting to build a solid core. All right. That's going to wrap up the draft. This will come out a day before. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll have to see how our selections sort of go. And, of course, we won't know straight away um, whether we picked buds or duds. But we'll just have to... Uh, <laughs> Guess we'll find out. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out eventually. That's for sure. Ball don't lie. That ball don't lie. Alright, it's time to head over to the Tokyo International Sports Carnival where some of the greatest basketball America has never played has been happening as well as some other really good games actually. There's been there's been some quite good stuff so far. Uh, Dan, mm. where do we want to start mate? Boomers game one you reckon? Yeah, Boomers game one, um, of course as we record. Boomers have just played Illy, but we might not spoil that just in case people that are listening haven't seen the game yet. So um, we won't break any news around that. Um, But we'll jump into Australia versus Nigeria, hey? Sounds good, mate. Uh, Quite a good game. I was worried early, to be honest. I was very worried. Yeah. Nigeria, they just had this amazing... Collapsing rim protecting D that really shook our guys there for a cup for quite a while. Like just locked down the paint. It felt like um, apart from Thibel, uh, it really felt like it was it was a no go zone there for a long time. At least the first two quarters. Mm. And then yeah, but. Yeah, the 
the boomers just sort of took over, especially in the second half, and just blew Nigeria off the court. I mean, the flag bearer, the Australian Olympic team captain, the Australian boomers captain, just got to try and yell over my dog door. Um, <laughs> sorry, everyone. My dog's not deciding whether it wants to be inside or outside. Um, Paddy Mills. Yeah. He was just absolutely phenomenal in this game. Uh, 25 points, shooting five of eight from deep, as well as six assists, and got it done on the other end too with four steals. So absolute skipper performance. Lifted the team when we needed it the most and got us over. The, not that it was a, a tough line, but really got the team going when we needed it um, to blow this game out. Yeah, and Ingalls Delhi right from the jump uh, definitely wasn't bad. Uh, Nick mm. Kay, Thibel with a couple of big dunks throughout the game. Like this was definitely everyone on both teams actually played in this game. So everybody who was available yep. um, played in the game, I think almost by halftime. Uh, so both coaches not afraid to go to the bench, trying to get the match matchups they liked. And Nigeria, genuinely, I was a bit concerned there for the first half. But then in quarter three, mm. we started to get in a little bit inside a little bit. and But the outside game didn't drop off. Uh, oh, Paddy's handles though, like his ability to shake that defender, uh, wows us. That that first dribble, just Slick. absolutely gorgeous. Um, yeah, wow, great job, just absolutely great job. And yeah. we ended up getting past. I, him. I did. Yeah, and I did actually note down a couple of concerns from this game though. Yeah. Um, number one, which was obvious because um, the commentators, whilst they good, did a really good job, they they felt the need to remind us, I, I felt like it was every 30 seconds, um, that Australia had 21 turnovers in this game. And it, both teams were turning the ball over a lot. And that's something, that's cause for concern because, okay, you, you've turned the ball over that many times and one by 40, all right, that's not going to happen against Team USA. That's not going to happen against all the elite teams at this tournament. Mm. You cannot turn the ball over that much. And I think, yeah, what did we shoot? Under 40% from the field as well. So yeah. you're not going to be able to afford to do that against the elite teams at, at the uh, sports carnival now. No, it's just, it's not going to work down the stretch. Um I also found Joey was driving inside and losing the ball fairly consistently as well. Mm. That 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 gave me a bit of concern. Um, you know, a couple of things I did like though. Another thing I did like, Exum. Even though he was on the floor and looked injured a few times, especially when they replayed the slow-mo, uh, he really wants this. It's... It's obvious he wants oh, yeah. this. He wants to play well. He's done, you know. He, he's done being injured. He's done not performing. This is what he wants. And you know, if if you're out there and your name rhymes with Ren Pimmons, watch this guy 
and see what it means. That that is Australian basketball right there. That is what we need. If you can't do that, don't bother. Like, which is probably why he hasn't. But yeah, that kind of level of commitment. And you, you can't. You, you can't help but feel good for the kid, can you? Like, mm. and and I was a culprit of, you know, thinking what? Why is he in this team? What? What's the go? Um, you know, we hadn't seen him in the NBA for a while, but he's shown already why he's in the team and he's more than capable. He, he's one of our best guard options on the team and it's really good to see him succeeding out there. Uh, so, yeah. Good on you, Dante. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. USA. They've now had mm. two games. One loss, one W. Well, one humping of Iran today. Uh, was it almost? Did they did they double in the end, or was it just close to double? Uh, it was forty nine points. No, it was more than that. Sorry. Uh, no, I can't remember. I'd have to look it up to to be honest. And it was it was close eh, enough to double. I'm not that impressed. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, but. One thing I did sort of think about was really the difference between uh, NBA versus FIBA. And I couldn't help but make the analogy that it's actually very similar in a lot of ways to Marvel versus DC. They're both, you know, effectively they both do the same thing. You know, Marvel, DC, both do comic books. NBA and FIBA, it's both basketball. Both have villains. Both have super teams. Uh, they both have, you know, uh, like your, your Nick Fury, Amanda Waller, or your Adam Silver or Hermani Niang types. For those of you who don't know, Hermani Niang is actually the FIBA, current FIBA president. Um, I didn't have to look that up. I just knew that because, you know, I know stuff. Uh, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, DC is a little rawer. Marvel, you know, it's it, it always, it's, it's more about the superstars, you know, um, that sort of thing, which again, NBA, it's always about the superstars. They always, it's always about their story arc in FIBA and in DC, there's a little bit, you know, extra universe style stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, USA, they just, and the NBA, it's they've got to get out of this idea that they can just send not their best and they'll still get the gold. But if they do get thumped, it's actually going to be scary for next year because after the team that lost last time, then they sent the redeem team and just obliterated everyone. You know, they went full-blown Thanos, yeah. clicked their fingers... You know, and teams literally just disappeared in their wake sort of stuff. So, yeah, while they're both the same, there is a real difference. Um, but we can't, we can't get too hung up on the differences because the rest of the world has improved out of sight. And USA aren't sending yeah. their best anymore. Like, it's not like the days of the dream team. It's just not. 
So stop blaming pop, stop blaming this, stop blaming that. It's the overall way that, you know, USA basketball is really, you know, being represented by the players who are going. And they're high-talented players, but they're not the highest-talent players. And if all their best were going, they wouldn't be in this position. All right, that, I'm off my soapbox now. I'll, uh... <laughs> Speaking of highly-talented... No, I agree. Speaking of highly talented players, though, mate, uh, how about that uh, Donkic fella? How's his team you doing? Yeah, pretty impressive uh, Olympic debut from the Slovenian. Yeah. Just, oh, he's just excelling at every level right now. Just nothing seems to be a, a challenge for him at all. So, yeah, Luka Doncic, remember Slovenia? My pick for the bronze. <laughs> Keep an eye out on him. And of course, um, Donkic not that long ago was playing by FIBA rules uh, over in Europe and famously said it's it's easier to score in the NBA than it is in Europe. So, seems to be... Uh, yeah, well, defenders don't allow to touch you in the NBA, so it makes life a bit easier. It does, unfortunately. Well, fortunately depending but uh yeah my wife actually shout out darling um said it the other day that the nba seems to be more about the entertainment whereas fever is just about raw basketball and that then creates entertainment so yeah yeah that's absolutely fair something to think about but we also do have to talk about, while we have mentioned some of the positives, we do need to just quickly mention uh, Opal's first game against Belgium. Certainly didn't go the mm, way we thought. Ended up losing that one by 15 in the end after pretty much being all tied up after three quarters. Uh, unfortunate to see, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a tough game. Um, it, it seemed to just be sort of not a good matchup in the keyway, uh, just lacking that height from a you know a certain uh, emission uh, down low. But um, look, take nothing away from uh, Messerman from Belgium, thirty-two points, nine and five. I mean, cool. What a show uh, she put on. It was pretty amazing to watch. Of course, sucks it came against our team, but um, very impressive nonetheless. But, you know, from our side of things, um, NBL One North star Kayla George got a double-double, 12 and 10. So definitely pitched in, did her bit. And Ezzy, my goodness, very young, only, only 21 years old, gave us 20 and 8. I mean, and she looked like she belonged on the court. She, she looked like one of the best players on the court. So I was very impressed with what Ezzy brought to the team. Yeah, definitely. Um, and look, hopefully hopefully they rally and uh, can find their way into a medal game of some colour. 
that would be that's, that's mm. obviously still the goal. They've only dropped one. Um, still can find their way up, up to that level. They're not one and done, um, but it's it's also got to happen now. It uh, they got to win the rest yep. of their pool games and just uh, yeah, basically take it literally one game at a time. Obviously, all all the old sporting cliches, but uh, can't afford to drop another one. That's just going to put them in. Uh, either an impossible position or just you know, a, a horrendous matchup. So, yeah. So yeah, the Opals take on China on Friday night, and then they have Puerto Rico on Monday night. Not great times. Uh, Ten PM both those games, Eastern Standard Time, but um, they're the upcoming games uh, for the Opals. So. We're back in the girls. Hopefully, there'll be two wins there to be had and move on to the, the finals and the medals, hopefully. Yeah, definitely don't want them to uh, get knocked out early and, and think that the body suits aren't a, aren't a great idea. I, it's, it's, such an, it's such a great Australian retro-style look. It uh, just flashes back to the days when I started watching basketball. That's just... You know, that, that's just what the Australian Opals wore back then. And yeah, it, it's really nice to see mm. it back again. It, it's, yeah, nostalgic, sure. But yeah, I like it. Ball don't lie. That ball don't lie. Alright, time to come home to that league we love. Where they played sweet, sweet D. Plus one, of course. The NBL one North. Alright. Dan, we are up to round 11 believe it or not. Getting close to the end of the season now mm. with the NBL one. Uh, let's start with the women, mate. Uh, where are we going first? What a, where to uh, we had the big showdown, the Iron Ipswich, um, Chelsea Brook up against Abby Bishop. Um, and this one did not disappoint at all. Um, look, Mackay got on top and ran away with it in the end in the fourth quarter, but but large chunks of, or most of this game, it was back and forth. And even you thought Ipswich was going to go on with the job here, but just couldn't get over the line, um, unfortunately. Some good performances for Ipswich, though. A- Amy Lewis, um, you know, showing all of her experience near or flirting with a triple-double, 17, 10, and 8. Um, three steals to boot just for fun. Um and Abby Bishop chiming in with 21 points herself. Um, so that was from the Ipswich side of things. And from Mackay, um, we had, uh, of course, Chelsea Brook, uh, emerging young star, 26 and 12 um, for Mackay there. She's really stepped in and taken on a larger role since Kayla George left for Opal's duty, of course. So... Um, it's been good to see her in this larger role and she's really just taken taken it on with both hands. Um, had two steals and three blocks to go along with this. Played every single minute, mm. um, which was just crazy. Um, but also off the bench now, we had Courtney Virgo, who, let me just tell you her last four games, her point total. Yep. Zero. Mm-hmm. Zero. Mm-hmm. Zero, mm-hmm. two. Nice. This game, 20 points, 11 rebounds. 
she has just been sitting there waiting for this opportunity. She's been given said opportunity and just went absolutely bananas. Um, we had some issues uh, with Rosova and, and Rees, which opened up the door for Virgo. And in she went and just went straight to work. Um, not to mention four of six from deep. So, um, yeah, shout out to Courtney. What a great breakout game for her. Yeah, great job. Absolutely huge. All right. Then, of course, in the NBL one North round, we had the matchup of matchups. Both teams went in undefeated. They could not both come out undefeated. We had to have a winner and a loser. And the Spartans got it done, 89-77. to And it was pretty tied up in going into the third. But, yeah, Spartans brought it home she was all done done and dusted 30 to 16 in that final yeah, quarter yeah crazy logan led at the end of the third quarter um only by one or two i think but technically they led um and then yeah the the michaelas were pretty sitting pretty and the maddies came out and said no we're gonna we're gonna win this one so this is just turning into what the Spartans do. It's just scoring in bunches, but by committee. I mean, Payne, Roshi, and um, Wiley all scored over 20 points with Kalani Purcell giving you 16 and 12. So, I mean, that is such a deep, well-rounded team. I mean, you're talking, you know, a professional starting lineup there. It's just... Yeah, they're going to be tough to beat in this tournament and moving on to the national stage as well. Yeah, you can't help think that uh, the Spartan team actually wouldn't make the world's worst WNBL team. So, like they're ju- they're just playing that well, and as you say, they do it by committee. It's not just they're mm. not living on dying by one superstar. It just comes from everywhere and. That's why they're undefeated at the moment because it does and it's so hard to stop and no one's come up with a you know, a way to do it yet. Yeah, so two big games um, from the weekend there. Um, just thought I, I'd give a little heads up of some games to look out for this weekend. Um, so Saturday night, you got the Capitals up against the Rollers. That's going to be a very tight game um, to watch there. Um, also, I, I do rate this Rocky and Cairns showdown. Both teams really struggled this season, but yep. both very hungry for a win here. And I think this is going to be a real gritty, grinded out kind of game. So, I would definitely be keeping an eye out for that Rocky and Cairns game. Yeah, both teams are going to go into that one wanting the W for sure. Mm. Absolutely. All right. Let's... Um, so we'll move on to the men's now. Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, Mackay and Ipswich. This was a really fun game to watch. Um, Went down. And we, we've seen Mackay a few times 
in arena. Um, of course, we've seen them on the telly a few times, but uh, very much like that Spartans women's team in that they just do this by committee. I mean, you look across the box score and it's just like everyone has around the same amount of points. Everyone has around the same amount of shot attempts. Mm-hmm. They're just a, a team that all gets along. They, they play well together and they get the job done. And, and we've seen one player be rewarded for that today, Emmanuel Malou, who's just been signed by the Adelaide 36ers. So congratulations to Emmanuel. And um, look, we've, we've seen him in person. He's an absolute beast. So um, it'll be pretty cool to see him down there in Adelaide. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we definitely uh, definitely understand why he was picked up. It was seeing him seeing him live it's like oof yeah you've got something something there's there's more than a there's more than a little bit just there but uh and as we've spoke about on our broadcast too bit of a journeyman bounced out of the NBA draft wasn't picked up you know has has then basically just gone where the basketball has taken him and uh now it's going to take him off to Adelaide so congratulations there, uh, Mr. Malou. All right. Yeah, and also for this game, uh, sorry, Mal, I just wanted to mention a um, friend of the show, of course, Isaac White um, on the Ipswich team. Didn't get the W, but I mean, 25 points, nine rebounds, that's your point guard, and five assists. I mean, without Matty Hodgson in this game, he really gave it everything he had, and Unfortunately, the team came up just short, but um, great game from Isaac nonetheless. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a real talent and uh, look for more more from him uh, as he goes back for his second season in uh, the NBL big game too. So. Mm. Um, now, look, there wasn't a lot of close super... Well, all the games are pretty exciting, but there was not a lot of like come down to a very last minute or two type thing. Um, I did want to bring up the Logan and Spartans game though, where Logan just uh, absolutely just stepped on the throat of the Spartans in this game. Oh yeah, thirty-three point win in this one. It was, yeah, one hundred and thirty-two points in a forty-minute game is just absolutely mental. Um, so well done to Logan and and this is always Sean Bruce only scoring 16 points Um, shout out to another friend of the show uh, Boston Maslin my goodness he had 25 points shooting 7 of 7 from deep in under 20 minutes so he was massive um, for this team obviously got some extended run given the scoreline but um yeah, they really, Logan really just said, look, we're, we're going to try and separate ourselves from everyone else as we lead into the finals here. Yeah, well, it was a really nice show of basically dominant basketball. So definitely making that, um, definitely trying to make that real emphasis as they head towards because they they've got, Goals and aspirations beyond just NBL One North, so we'll definitely have to see how they, whether or not they come to fruition as we uh, get to the end of the inaugural season. 
yeah, um, some games to watch out this weekend. Um, again, Saturday night, I think the the Gold Coast and Caps game will be worth a watch. Um, you've got some pretty high octane scorers in Jason Kadee and um, Nick Stoddart going head to head there, so that'll be a good one to watch. Um, Ipswich versus um, Rip City, also on Saturday night. Isaac White up against Tanner Krebs, two NBL bucket getters. Um, that'll be a great one to watch. Definitely could. And that one could be fire. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn away from this um, Northside and Gold Coast game on Sunday afternoon. So of course, Mitch McCarran up against Jason Kadee. That will be a pretty fun game to watch. Yeah, especially so, if they... Uh, tune in that one. Obviously, get down to these games if you can, if you're in the areas. But, yeah, there's some pretty good action on this weekend. Oh, definitely. Definitely. All right, that's going to wrap us up here for NBL North. Ball don't lie. That ball don't lie. All right, time for our Crack'em segment. This is where we circle back to those cards we cracked earlier um we both pick a card and we have a bit of a yarn about it i'm uh i'm gonna leave the celtics card in there this time uh i'm actually gonna go with the young very young spur devon vassal for those of you who haven't heard of devon vassal that's because he hasn't played a huge amount frankly uh, he's found himself in the rotation behind DeMar DeRozan. Obviously, Devon is number two in that situation. And while he did find himself getting a little bit more time uh, from Pop later in the season, uh, yeah, his, his, his box score, average box scores and things like that, weren't much to write about. Um Look for that to change a little bit heading into Season 2, um, especially with some of the rumours and things around uh, DeMar DeRozan's future. Um, but, yeah, he will be a... He, he will be a sophomore um, this year. Typically, in that second year, they really like to blood these younger guys and really see what they're made of, give them extra minutes, give them more responsibility. And I think we'll... We'll definitely see more of Devin Vassell. Hopefully we see more uh, from what we saw this season because it wasn't, it was all right. There was moments, but you know, uh, he did have one game where uh, double-doubled with a bit of garbage time. But uh, yeah, uh, apart from that, you know, not too much. But uh, next season, you never know. Devin Vassell, keep an eye out for him. Dan, who'd you go with, mate? All right. I've uh, picked up uh, Jordan Clarkson. So, you know, a few little fun facts that you might not know. He's actually of Filipino descent. He's eligible for their national team. Um, and he, whilst most people remember him starting his career with the Lakers, he actually um, wasn't drafted by the Lakers. He was drafted by the Washington Wizards uh, with a 46 pick. And then he was traded pretty well instantly to the Lakers. Um, 
what was good about his rookie year was he actually, from the 46th pick, made the all-rookie first team, which is pretty rare and sort of was a hint at what was to come for Jordan Clarkson. I mean, if you remember back to his Laker days, he was just a bucket. And things haven't really changed since then. He's bounced around a couple of teams, but found his, or sorry, really only Cleveland, it's not too many, Um, and then found himself on the Jazz where he's crafted out this six-man, you know, Jamal Crawford-type role. He just comes off the bench, just gets buckets. So um, I enjoy watching him play. I think, you know, getting out of la-la land and finding himself a role in Utah has been one of the best things for him. So good on him. Nice. All right, we'll be back next week with another pack of cards to crack. Ball don't lie. That ball don't lie. All right, Ball Don't Lie Australia listeners, we have a special guest for you this week. Joining us on the podcast is Illawarra Hawks player, Ipswich Force player, Isaac White. How are you going, Isaac? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Excited. Oh, we're absolutely stoked to have you on, mate. We got to watch you play against our Capitals live in person a few weeks ago when you went nuclear in the first half. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yes, that was good times for us. And, of course, the end of that game, we saw some huge plays from Matty Hodgson down down the end of that one. So yeah. um, you guys picked up the win. Heartbreaker for us, but worked out really well for you guys. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, fellas. Oh, don't be, mate. That's basketball. <laughs> um, and also, um, hopefully not too soon, mate, but just had a big showdown with Jason Kadee on the weekend. Yeah. Um, obviously that one didn't go my way or, or our way, unfortunately, but I mean, that's the beauty of this league so far is that, you know, you're running into guys who are pretty high caliber most games. So I'm embracing that challenge personally, for sure. Awesome. Uh, all right, buddy, we'll, uh, jump straight in. Having grown up in, uh, South Australia, um, what was... What was that like? And tell us about your a little bit about your junior basketball days. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, uh, I I played AFL football um, for the most part. Um, that was my you know my main sport when I was younger. Yeah. But um, my brother was a huge influence on me, and he was kind of a basketball guy. So I ended up you know following him out to a few club sessions and stuff like that with um, the Sturt Sabers. That was my local club, mm-hmm. um, and so I played junior basketball. Um, from from under 12 through to under 18s, um, all that stuff. And, you know, my, my junior career was really good. I, I was on a really good team. Like, there's a bunch of guys who are in the college system and have been in the NFL system um, who I grew up with, like Dronia, who was on the Adelaide 36s, um, Jacob Ragoni, who's currently over playing Division One basketball for Quinnipiac um, and stuff like that, and a, and a bunch of state guys as well. So you know, I had a really strong, strong group. Um, to practice with and play with obviously throughout my junior career and you know that was really really fun that kind of taught me I guess um it made me almost addicted to winning I'd like to say like I, I probably lost a handful of games um in my entire junior career in South Australia so anytime I lost um you know it, it was a big deal to me and, and I kind of carry that through with me till today yeah it's really nice to hear that you um uh you're with the same junior club for for so long uh it's it's one of those things, it's it's almost 
almost really goes a little bit beyond friendship sometimes with some of those players that you, you can genuinely play for, for, play with for such a long time as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, to this day, I, I matched up against Alex Madronia, um on an NBL court, um, you know, during the season this year. And, you know, we don't talk every day or anything like that, but there's definitely a bond there. Um, obviously, you know, sport, you share, you know, you create a lot of memories and have some pretty tight bonds. So, you know, that group will honestly probably, uh, you know, shape my, my basketball career the rest of my life. Awesome. Great to hear you still in touch as well. Um, mate, under 20s in... Excuse me, under twenty national champs in twenty seventeen. Tell us what that was like. Yeah, uh, that was good as well. Obviously, uh, that was my first, um, I guess, national championship. Um, you know, I, again, for the most part, it was that that same core of guys. Like there was probably at least six six or so guys from my Sturt club team. So, um, you know, we were certainly familiar with that, with, with each other and stuff like that, but. It was even more so important for me just because I guess South Australia is not known as, as one of those powerhouse states. Um, well, and no, I know I at least... Before that, sorry, they, they hadn't won since uh, 93. So Right. Absolutely. And so, you know, we took that personally. We knew we were talented. We knew we were good and we, we had a chance. But um, it, was, it was almost just like, a, like a, a nice little final hurrah to kind of just leave our mark on you know, in the history of, of Australian basketball, because obviously that's the last run you get at it. But um, no, probably one of my biggest um, winning moments of my career as well. Um, and Jacob Rigoni, um, you know, he was like kind of my co-captain, I guess. And, you know, he and I had literally been training together since we were probably eight years, eight years old or so. So to finally get something done um, on that national stage was really big for both of us. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, obviously very humble as well, Isaac, because we didn't mention that you were the leading scorer at that tournament either. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, I think I, I think um, coming into that team, um, I, I knew kind of that was my role. Um, in, in previous years on state teams and stuff like that, I was certainly more of a role player. But I guess by that age, um, I, I'd finally started to make my first national team and my confidence was up and stuff like that. So... So that was a really successful tournament personally and obviously a lot of fun putting the ball in the hole a fair bit. All right. Well, from there, mate, we moved over to the college system in America, going to a big college there in Stanford. So um, three years you spent there and just got a couple questions around that. Um, so I guess the first one, what was the general college experience like for you on the court, off the court, G-rated experiences, of course? Yeah. Well, I mean, it really is G-rated at Stanford, if I'm honest with you. Um, most people, I guess you see in the movies and stuff like that, that colleges can kind of be a party scene and like a little bit crazy and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm sure that some schools, that's definitely true. But Stanford was, um, you know, very much a, a professional environment, both on and off the court. Um, I'll speak off the court first. I mean, it's a, it's a super unique place. Everyone... Um, it's not easy to get in there um, and you kind of need more than good grades to get in. You kind of need to have your own story and your own um, pursuit. Um, and so, like, for example, we couldn't get students to come to our games, even on weekends, because, you know, they were studying or working on their own business or something like that. Like, so it really is a unique place where people are so driven um, to kind of be good and be unique in their own way. So 
yeah. that was an awesome experience for me personally and for my development, I guess, as a man and as, as a professional. But on the court too, I mean, that's the beauty of um, the Pacific 12 Conference that Stanford's in. Um, it's an extremely high level. And so um, you're playing big names and like really good teams each night. And so you've got to call and, and fight for everything. Um, personally, um, personally, it definitely got tough at times. I mean, I, I started games. Some games I didn't even get on the floor, um, and so that was a that was a struggle in itself. But definitely wouldn't change anything about it. Yeah, cool. And um, being kind of near San Fran, there, did you get up to the the big smoke very often and go to any sports or just check out the city? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's probably only a forty minute commute, um, so not too bad at all. But um, again, Stanford being unique, no one really has cars. People just kind of ride bikes or golf carts around. So it was more trying to find a car to get out to those games. But I did. I went to a couple of Warriors games. Um, they they were in Oakland. They were based at Oracle. Uh, yeah, Oracle in yeah. in Oakland at the time. So I went to a couple of games there, um, and then I, I went to some. Uh, baseball games too so i did try and get amongst it a little bit but for the most part i was kind of flat out um on campus yeah good on you and i guess we better talk about some on the course stuff of course um teammates with kz okpala there who to a casual basketball fan might not mean a lot but now plays for the miami heat and we've just seen him suiting up for the nigerian national team in the lead up to the olympics yeah kz was actually my roommate um my first roommate yeah, the day I got on campus, um, you know, we, we stayed in the same room. So um, he, he's a good friend of mine. Um, we stay in touch till this day. Obviously, he's got um, some big big stuff on his plate at the moment with the Olympics. And last year, he was in the NBA finals and stuff like that. So, no, he, he's an awesome guy to, to kind of run ideas off and get advice from at times. Um, he'd like to tell me that he's, he's a smart kid, so he can give me good advice. But um, for the most part, I'm just asking about his teammates, like Duncan Robinson and stuff like that. So, Yeah, cool. And, you know, you say he's the smart kid, but um, you also received numerous academic awards over there. So um, pretty impressive to see you achieving things on and off the court. It's uh, highly important over there as a student athlete, isn't it? Well, absolutely. I mean, that that's a big factor in why I chose Stanford University. And, um, you know, I've always pride myself on, on my academics both my parents are, are educators so they'd probably kill me if I wasn't but um yeah that's, that's always been a big thing for me and, and I made sure I got my my degree before I left there so that was successful for sure awesome all right mate uh time to come back to Queensland uh you're in the NBL one north now with Hodjo and Ipswich um have you found it living here in uh here in Brizzy yeah really nice I mean the weather's obviously beautiful um, for the most part, a little bit bipolar, but it's warm. So mm. I've definitely enjoyed that part of it. Um, I, I've Every road trip I've, I've been up here um, with Illawarra, I've loved it. Like I've loved going to South Bank and looking through the city and stuff like that. So I've definitely explored as much as I could and, you know, kind of got out and about. Um, and obviously I love playing with Hodgie and the, and the group. It's been super smooth so far. Yeah, it definitely looks like it on the court. Um, so since you, you and uh, Matt Hodgson have come into the team, sort of leading a, a somewhat of a resurgence um, with the squad, uh, picking up some wins here. Um, you personally averaging 26, 7 and 4, shooting 43% from the field. Mm. Um, 
what are some of the highlights and what are some of the learning experiences that you've found have come from uh, NBL one? For sure. Um, I, I'd say the highlights are probably winning those games. You know, we won five in a row as a group. Um, we lost a couple on the weekend, which has been tough, but just winning those hard fought games, probably the one in, in Brisbane, um, the Orkham flower was one of the, mm. you know, one of the harder, harder wins. So like, Winning like that is always super enjoyable for me in the group. Um, I've had to learn a lot though too, as you spoke on. Like, I'm I'm in a completely different role in this team to to what I'm used to at Illawarra. Um, I was kind of much more of a role player, um, more of a catch and shoot guy and a defender in the NBL this year, um, with obviously less of minutes. Um, and so now I'm walking in, playing 35 to 40 minutes a game, um, being kind of one of the predominant offensive options. So. I've had to learn a lot um, in just kind of, I guess, managing my body within the game. I'm kind of, kind of knowing when to go and when to not, um, and also using using pick and rolls, and you know, just being you know one of the primary offensive threats. So it's kind of just that role change has been the the biggest learning um, and working progress for me. But I mean, I wouldn't be here if I didn't want that challenge and want to want to um, develop myself in that way. Nice. All right. Still in NBL uh, one Northworld, if you had to pick a team to win it all this year that's not Ipswich, uh, who would you pick? Uh, I'd, I'd probably say Logan. Um, from what I know, I mean, I guess I think they're top. Are they not? They're top of the ladder right now. Yeah, just lost um, the one game. Yeah, so I mean. By the looks of things, they are probably the favourite. Um, I've actually been working out with a bunch of their guys this week, you know, Jeremy Kendall and um, Sean Bruce and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. and a bunch of their other younger guys too. And I kind of get in conversations with them and I ask them, like, oh, who you play for? And they all say Logan. So I know Logan, even though we haven't played him yet, they seem to have a really deep squad. And so they're, they're probably one of the more competitive teams, I think, um, in the league so far, for sure. If you had to pick a MV, MVP? From what you've seen so far, who would you uh, who would you pick for NBL One North? Ah, man. Um, I'm trying to think. I know Kadee's been. If, if Kadee continues the way he's gone, he's oh. probably got a really good chance at it. On a um, tear at the moment, he, isn't he? An absolute tear. Um, but I mean, I don't know if winning if winning's super important. Um, then you probably got to look at someone at at Logan, I know Jeremy Kendall's been extremely consistent, and um, I probably need to watch a few more games to give a, a more educated opinion. But I'd say, yeah, maybe uh, Kadee if he continues, and if they start winning more consistently, and then if not, maybe like a Jeremy Kendall or someone like that on on Logan. Yep, yep, I'd say that's very. We we actually got the chance to watch uh, Jeremy Kendall uh, at Logan against uh, our Capitals, and. Yeah, seeing him live is, is is just different, and right, yeah, for sure. uh, up close and personal. It was oh no no you yeah you you've definitely still got something like you've you've been around the league and and gone here there and everywhere, but there's still something to your game, and Absolutely. yeah, he's definitely been uh, showing out for Logan this year. Mm. All right, well, with your games, guys, that is a question we always like to ask people. Um, a lot of athletes can have weird and wonderful game day routines or superstitions leading up to games. We've had everything from baked beans to just going for a walk. Do you, do you have any of these yep. routines you have to do on game day or 
you know, in the locker room, do you have to put one shoe on before the other or any of those sorts of things? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty consistent um, with what I eat before games. Um, I, I the, la- the last thing I eat before a game is generally oats. So that's probably one thing, but probably one of the weirder, um, not superstitions, but habits I've picked up right before a game is I need to kind of put uh, like Carmex lip. Um, I guess it's kind of like a pawpaw, like a lip ointment on. Like I, for some reason, I'm, I hate the feeling of having dry lips. So right before I run out to the court and at halftime and any time in between, I give my I give myself a little bit of lip ointment. So that's probably one of the weirder ones for sure. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'm a HP teacher, and I can tell you what: being out in the sun all day uh, with these winds that are starting to come in, I, I use a bit of that myself. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel you on that one. Um, all right. Well, that's a wrap on our NBL one uh, chat there. Just wanted to chat to you very quickly about your NBL season this year uh, with the Hawks. Um, so, of course, playing there with Tyler Harvey, who everyone knows is an absolute weapon out there. Um, can yep. you tell us a bit about what this season was like, given you know you had the NBL Cup throughout the season as well, played in the finals? What, what was the whole thing like for you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was... It was tough at the start, um, just with kind of not knowing when the season would actually get underway. We began our season up here in Queensland. We were stuck in Cairns for like the best part of a month. So the start of it was tough, just kind of never really getting a home game and never knowing if the game was actually going to go through or not. Um, the hub was the hub was cool. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, I love playing games. And so having those eight, eight games or so um, in that, three-week span was, was really unique and really fun. Um, and then by the end of it, I mean, I guess some people would have got sick of it, but by the end of it, that was probably when I was having my most fun and we were playing the best basketball as a team. Um, we had like a, a really strong end to the season, which kind of snuck us into third place. Um, and then obviously we, we lost it in the semis. But personally and as a group, um, I'm really happy with the progress we made throughout the year. I think most, most teams, kind of always aspire to keep get, keep getting better um, throughout the year. And it's not something that's easy to do. But, you know, we really stuck to it. We tried to adjust every time kind of a weakness popped up or anything like that. And I think we were peaking at the right time, right at the end of the year. Yeah, nice one. And, of course, uh, one of your teammates, Sam Froling's in NBL One North as well, up in Townsville there. So um, Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah. I think Daniel Greeter was uh, supposed to come up to play for the Southern District Spartans, but unfortunately he got he got caught um, in Wollongong with the COVID situation there. So it's a bummer for him. Yeah, for sure. He'd be missing out. Um, seen a few signings for Illawarra this week. So Duop Reith, who's away with the Boomers at the moment, of course, and um, not sure if you can speak to it or not, but just seen today, Travis Trice is going to be coming into the Hawks. Um, what are your thoughts on those two and what, what they can bring to the team? Well, obviously, I'm I'm super excited, and I know both of them, um, and you know I've kind of been following them um, throughout their pro career so far, and so that's huge signings for us. Um, I think at times last year um, we kind of really needed that second primary ball handler. Um, Tyler was getting a bunch of attention, especially in the playoffs, and there was you know he had to carry a lot of the load. So having Travis come in, I think, gives us a really nice new look. Um, at, you know, maybe bumping Tyler to the two. I guess I guess that's what it will be. And so 
having two two strong ball handlers um, who can start alongside each other, I think will be really effective. And then do up, I mean, obviously he's an Olympic talent. Um, making the boomers is no no joke. So I think we're going to be really strong. Uh, obviously we've got a few more positions to fill um, until we complete our roster, but. So far, we're keeping that young core that we had last year, um, and we're adding to some some bigger names and some larger pieces. So, I'm I've got all the confidence in the world in our group, and you know I'm really happy with how the the roster's shaping out so far. Awesome. Well, you've had your first year in NBL now, um, and now it looks like the the entire NBL is just stacking up with talent. We're coming into the yep. second season, what are you most looking forward to, and sort of what are you, what are your goals for uh, season two? Yeah, um, I'd say I'd say my first goal um, would be to to make the playoffs again. I think I think that's got to kind of sit in the back of our minds and my mind throughout the entire season because without a playoff run, I don't think too much of it's worth it. So first and foremost, we need to put ourselves in a position to be in the hunt at the end of the season. Um, personally, I'm looking to expand a bit. Um, obviously, I don't know exactly what my role is going to be yet, but um, I was developing a lot of per- personal confidence towards the end of last year. Um, I kind of developed myself more of a reputation on the defensive uh, the defensive side of the ball too. So I'm looking to expand offensively, um, You know, be more aggressive, take some more shots, um, whether it be off the bounce or just shooting the catch and shoot one with more confidence. But um, yeah, just trying to help the team win. Um, for the most part. Well, yeah. I mean, as I said earlier, we, we saw you drop 24 points in a half. So yeah. um, being that yeah. if you're not starting, I'd hope uh, that you'll be at least that little microwave coming straight off the bench because mm. you can get it done real quick. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. That's the goal for sure. Um, so, Isaac, that, that wraps up all of our formal questions. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. what we're going to move into now, just to finish off with, we just, we're going to shoot some quick fire questions at you where, um, you don't have to think too much. Don't have to give any explanation. We're just going to ask you some questions and you can just give us a short answer for them. Um, you'll sort of see how it goes as we do it. Um, so too easy. Mel, you got the first one there. Yep. Uh, mate, any hobbies outside of basketball? Obviously you know, basketball is your main passion, but is there anything outside of that? Uh, fishing and now kind of body surfing and, and attempting surfing at the beach. Nice. I've I've done some of that and yeah, I, I would definitely was on the attempting side. But yeah. <laughs> uh, what is high rotation on your Spotify playlist right now? It's always going to be some sort of Drake. Um, and as of late, I've been listening to a bit of old Travis Scott again. Nice, nice. Like his first few albums, not the recent ones. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, some of his some of his deeper stuff. Yeah, nice one. Um, now this one's a contrasting question, so it's two parter. First part is your favorite gym exercise, followed by your favorite cheat meal. Okay, favorite gym exercise. Uh, is definitely the bench press. Um, and my favorite cheat meal, any sort of ice cream, probably Ben and Jerry's at the moment. Yeah, great. Nice. And congratulations. You're the first person to actually 
answer the exercise before the cheat meal. So, well done. <laughs> Usually people just, they know their cheat meal straight away. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, definitely. Uh, mate, who's your favourite sort of basketball team to follow and do you have any uh, favourite players or heroes? In the NBA, I love watching Golden State. Um, and Steph has always been a, a big guy for me, um, but I've been studying a lot of Steve Nash lately. He was always one of my favorite players when I was younger, and so I've been kind of going back and watching some of his stuff. Nice. I have to assume playing days, obviously. <laughs> playing days, absolutely. Yep. Uh, so another two-parter, it seems to be what I do here. Uh, your first pair, and then maybe your favorite or a holy grail pair of basketball kicks. Yeah, first pair was some Andrew Gazers. Yes. I think from maybe from Big W. Love um, it. They were going somewhere cheap, and I jumped on them. And uh, I tell you what, my favorite pair were with a Kobe Six Grinchmith, which I got when I was young, but oh, I just I. beat them to hell. So <laughs> I wish I'd kept on to them because now they're worth a fair bit. But looking back, they were probably my coolest pair of shoes. Oh, I feel you. If I no, no, the gazers were mate. Don't <laughs> don't listen to what people tell you. It was the gazers, hundred percent. If I uh, unbeatable. Kept, if I kept all my Kobe's and didn't play in them, I would have a lot of money's worth of Kobe's right now. So but, it's horrible to think about, isn't it? Oh, but all the Kobe's are very popular, which makes me happy and Mel sad. So that's good. <laughs> it's just not my favourite shoe, mate. It's, it's not for me. I love the gazers, though. Love the gazers. Uh, mate, well, we've just seen um, uh, Booker in the finals over an NBA, and his his Kobe quote of "Be legendary." Is there a is there an athlete's quote that um, uh, that you sort of roll with or think about a lot, or just one that you've heard that you really like? Um, this is I, I love the quote um, the quote in in Coach Carter, um, and my favorite. I don't know if you remember the one, but there's kind of a monologue. Um, but my favorite snippet in that quote is that it is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Mm, yep. um, so that's mine. Timo Cruz. Timo Cruz, that's the fella. <laughs> All right, that's a good one. Um, so very last question. This may be the hardest one, so we'll see how you go. Um, now right. I've, I've sort of stolen this one from a, a, a famous podcast, uh, with Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson. And they always finish their podcast mm-hmm. with this question. So they ask, and we need your help with your answer. So the question is, um, who do you think we should interview next on this podcast? Okay, it is a good question. I do listen to that podcast, All the Smoke. Really mm-hmm. good. So you know that's their final um, question every time. <laughs> I know. Uh, let me think. I think you should uh, talk to Keon Dennis if you can. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he. Uh, I've been working out with him a little bit lately, and he seems to have a lot to say. So I think he's a, a worthy candidate. <laughs> That's what we want: people that have a lot to say. <laughs> he's not shy. So he's yeah. Keon was on the Bullets roster this year, I believe. Yeah, he, he at least was a training player for sure. Yeah, no, we'd love to have him on, love to have a chat. Um, but that's that's it, Isaac. You've made it to the end. You've survived. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. 
um, and we really appreciate the time that you've given us tonight. No, absolutely. Anytime. It's been good fun. And obviously, best of luck with the rest of the NBL 1 North season. The, we were just looking at the ladder in our pod this week, and geez, it's tight. There's going to be so much movement in the next few weeks. So we wish you all the best um, with the team and moving forward. Unless, of course, you come up against the Caps again. <laughs> I can't guarantee Yeah, I, I don't think it's either. scheduled. So. No, no. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but no, thanks heaps again, and uh, hopefully we'll be in touch soon. Too easy. Thanks, guys. Don't lie. That don't lie. Okay, so we'd just like to thank Isaac for his time once again. It's an absolute pleasure having a chat with him and hope you all enjoyed listening to his story and getting to know Isaac, the person, as well as the basketball player. So well, it was good fun now. Um, but that that brings up a wrap to our show. I mean big week this one recording over multiple nights um I, i've made it now i've got through the flu game here or slash food poisoning game depending if you're wearing a, a foil hat or not um you know you've sort of right you're carrying on, off the court now well done <laughs> yep yeah. okay so mel's using his buttons because i'm not in the room that's good yep well you know <laughs> I, i've got some buttons i can fire off now so you know you know yeah, the the Rido Tiger is either lame joke or, or boring story. I'm thinking it's boring story this time, but anyway, um, that's all right. Someone out there might enjoy my flu game analogy here. Look, maybe. Um, <laughs> Rido Tiger. Anyway, so moving on. Um, big show, multiple nights, NBA finals, NBA draft. Tokyo Sports Carnival, NBL One North, Isaac White interview. Holy smokes, Mal. What a big show this was. Really good fun, though. Hope everyone enjoyed listening. And, of course, if you did enjoy listening, make sure you are following us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, don't just download off the links when we drop these pods. We'd really appreciate if you could subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts from as well, whether it's Spotify, Apple or Google Pods, wherever you get them from, please hit that subscribe button for us. Please follow on the socials. It really helps us out. So um, we really appreciate that. And guys, we've done it. We've cracked the double ton in followers on Instagram. So next week, Mel's going to be warming up those I don't know, whatever you use for whistling, lips, tongue, yeah. whatever. He's going to be warming that up. Cool. Um, we're going to have some, a special treat. For... <laughs> um, Mel will have a special treat for everyone next week for hitting the double ton on Instagram. So well done. Let's keep this number skyrocketing though because we're having a lot of fun doing what we're doing and we hope you all are too. So... Um, Mel, anything before we sign off? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. Make sure you uh, hit the old like button, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Don't forget our monthly mailbags. Uh, if you do have any questions, Olympic, basketball, whatever, basically, shoot them through to the mailbag. Just shoot them through to us um, on either of the Insta or Facebook pages. Um 
or if you do see us at one of the uh-huh. games, um, not during a game, obviously, um, you know, just come and ask us a question. We'll we'll jot it down, or we often actually have the microphone with us, so I can straight away, bam, hit the old record button. If you do see us uh, out commentating a game, and we are in the middle of commentating a game, feel free uh, not to come and try and talk to us or ask us questions during, like we did at a recent game that's made it a little bit awkward for those at home. But, uh, you know, during the breaks, please come and have a yarn. We're, we're open to that kind of stuff, um, and especially if you've got something for the mailbag. Yeah, perfect. So um, here comes your, your, your normal homework, guys. Make sure to tell your, let's go, left diagonal neighbour. Make sure to tell your, your brother, your sister, your dog. Uh, Mel, who are we adding in this week? Uh, local jewellery store manager. Yeah, that's a banger one. Um, maybe get us some bling while you're there. And, of course, hand out those business cards that you made up for us as well, everyone. We'd really appreciate that. Um, so that, that, that's all we've got time for, Mel. I think it's been a long week. Time to finish up, get this out there for the people. So we'll be back next week. We do have another special guest lined up, so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Uh, but until that time, everyone, just remember, that ball don't lie. Never does.